raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. All right, another Kevin's Corner. Here we are on a Wednesday afternoon. And as we get into the flow of the NFL season, this is how we're going to operate. We're going to go Monday mornings, late morning. We'll post the recap pod and then Wednesday afternoon after we get a first look at practice for the week. Uh, Kind of a preview podcast for what's going to come up that Sunday. And this Sunday it'll be week two. Colts traveling down to take on the Houston Texans, a slight favorite, the Indianapolis Colts here. In week two, I'm Kevin Bowen, and out of the bullpen, he's a New York Yankee legend. I'm trying to think of great Yankee, come on, relievers of all time. No one's really popping into my head. Come on now. It'd come be on. a shame if they even had a good closer oh, in their okay. history. Now you're baiting me. He is Jimmy Cook. You hear him on our airwaves quite a lot. I think this is our maiden voyage. Is that correct? Together? It is a couple beers with Bowen appearances, but yes. this is the first Kevin's corner appearance. Happy for my maiden voyage. Look at that. I forgot about the beers with Bowen days. Got great, great memory by you. Uh, Jimmy is uh, one of the best, and so very happy that he's stepping in today with Eddie Garrison out in Colorado for a couple of days. Jimmy, good afternoon to you, and sorry about your Chiefs in week one. That's all right. It's a new week. Chris Jones is now back with the team. There's a contract extension there, KB, and the Chiefs will face off against the very Jaguars that took out yeah. the Colts in week one. So I'm Is that a one o'clocker? It is. It's a one Gosh. o'clock start. It is the debut in the Cook household, the thousands that care, I'm sure, about this, uh-huh. of Sunday ticket YouTube TV ah. style. Yeah, YouTube yeah, yeah. TV style I in heard the good Bob things. Cook house. I heard good things after week one of how that went for people around the nation. So, damn, I was hoping that game was not at one o'clock. I, I was actually looking forward to watching that. But nonetheless, good luck to your Chiefs. Um, again, today's pod, guys, as I think our listeners will recall, you know, I like the Wednesday pod to have a little bit of kind of news items of the week, some of the pertinent info that's happened so far. And then as we get to the back half, we'll preview the Texans and we'll look into Twitter questions. Uh, Jimmy, let's start at the running back position. Um, you know, exiting Sunday, just such a horrific performance from that position group. Um, I was curious what the Colts would do. Well, as we record this on Wednesday afternoon and they've wrapped up the first practices of the week, they really have done very little. Um, Evan Hall, the rookie from Northwestern, goes to IR, so he is out at least four weeks. I should probably ask Shane Steichen how long he's going to be out now that I think about that. Let me jot that down. Um, some time was the first quote, some I time. Uh huh. That sounds like a that's eerie. Sounds like a Green Day song. <laughs> um, and then Jake Funk called up from the practice squad. There, uh, I didn't know his wife was on the Bachelor at one time found that out last week yeah. it was a quite a rabbit sad. hole shockingly i know on query and company that we fell down yeah, but that, that happened boy that is a shocking thing <laughs> to hear um and then so he gets called up to the 53 man roster so right now um it's zach moss it's Dion jackson and it's jake funk uh made a practice squad change tyler goodson i actually do remember him at iowa for a little bit there uh, he swapped spots with jason huntley so uh, very little, basically, is what the Colts have done. Uh, we didn't see the run, the veteran running back move. You know, if you go back to Zach Moss breaking his arm over six weeks ago, really the only thing of note has been Kenyon Drake um, that the Colts have done at all, which is a bit interesting to me that like that's it that they have gone with here. I am under the assumption that Zach Moss is going to play on Sunday. I I can't see how 
the game would have unfolded like it did on Sunday, and all of a sudden you run Deion Jackson and Jake Funk out there for <laughs> 65 snaps on Sunday. By the way, uh, Jimmy, a few pods ago, I didn't say Funk. I said the other. I heard. F you. I got yeah. to experience that, not live, but on the replay. Your your mm-hmm. producer enjoys funny of moments course. and was happy yeah. to share it with me. Yeah, that little piece <laughs> of shit. Uh, and by the way, Jimmy Cook saved me uh, with my wedding ring earlier today for anybody that cares. You know, hardcore workout this morning for Kevin Bowen. He gets halfway to the Colts complex, realizes he's forgot his wedding ring, calls Jimmy Cook. Jimmy saves the day by going downstairs uh, to our workout area and grabbing the wedding ring. Got to be Tom Cruise for a day. Thank you for saving the marriage. Happy to do it. I don't think Matty Bowen would have cared too much. But nonetheless, uh, very happy to have that back in my possession. Um, I am curious just in general what we see out of Moss. You know, when you think back to late last year, Jimmy, one of the very few individual bright spots late in the season was Moss. I mean, it was a career high over 100 yards against Houston in the season finale. And the thing about Zach Moss is he kind of is a name to the one running back narrative that is out there. You don't need to invest a whole lot in. Just draft the dude in round three or round four every four years and you're good. And that's kind of what Moss has been in Buffalo. Obviously, you can make the argument Buffalo really hasn't had great running back success, so maybe that would be a counter to it. But um, for those that weren't watching the Colts late last season, understandably, don't I don't blame you, what is Zach Moss? He's a 4-6, 40-yard dash guy with tree trunks for legs. He's power. He's a first and second down guy. I still think Deion Jackson would probably be in that third down role. Um, but I just want to see out of the running back competency. Like, can you take some of the pressure off of Anthony Richardson's running plate? And, you know, talked about this on Monday's pod. I don't need to see Richardson run. I don't. I know he can be a very elite running quarterback in the NFL. Um, so take some of that off his plate and let him prove himself. Let him take less hits and let him prove himself as a thrower. And obviously in these critical situations, those sorts of things. Um, so I, I think for the next couple of weeks, I'll be interested to see what does Moss and or running back by committee look like for the Colts until Jonathan Taylor comes back. So um, just still interesting to me, Jimmy, that we didn't see anything veteran running back wise this week or really even in recent weeks. I've been saying, and I'm not the only one that said it, but for the last couple of months, for as long as you knew the Jonathan Taylor drama holdout, whatever label you want to put on it has been going on, that clearly that's going to affect the growth of the rookie that's not new knowledge but it's been a fact that's been present for so long and they've yet to do anything about it and you mentioned the Kenyon Drake move and I mean I guess that's something but he's not on the team anymore right he he didn't make it past initial cut down so for me it was always go get a Dalvin Cook go overpay like go overpay for a one-year rental if it matters that much to you for the development for the development of this rookie quarterback and if it doesn't matter that much to you I guess you roll with what you have in-house the, the bigger deal for me isn't as much if Zach Moss is able to show that he is capable. It is, does Zach Moss underperform to a point that it forces the Colts' hand to go out and sign a still-available veteran? It's slim pickings like James Robinson, like Kareem Hunt. Because otherwise, the last option on the table, Kevin, is this delusional thought, and maybe I'm being gross with that, and it's not delusional, but this delusional thought that Jonathan Taylor is just going to ride in like a white knight week five and save the running back room. Yeah, and I'd say the other thing, Jimmy, that's worth pointing out, and you know, offensively, I've had a different viewpoint than defensively this offseason. 
Defensively, if you want to go youth movement at various levels, all by all means. Offensively, the support to me is so important for your young quarterback that I think you should be investing a little bit more. And if you don't invest and you're opting for youth, like I think it would be wise if all of a sudden you hot you had this like somewhat high draft pick for example, that you wanted to see more out of. Like, again, wide out, I still think a veteran should be in the fold there. But what what do they have at wide out? Well, they do have, what, two second rounders and a third rounder atop the depth chart. All three of those guys playing on the rookie contract. You don't really have that at running back. I mean, yeah, Zach Moss, year four of, he's not your own draft pick, year four of a third round pick. And Deion Jackson, obviously an undrafted guy. Jake Funk, I'm trying to think if he even was drafted, but still, um, it's not like you have these oh yeah, we've been waiting for this guy to get an opportunity necessarily. We invested a draft pick in this guy. We think there's something there. Um, so you don't have that. I guess Evan Hall is a little Evan bit. Evan Hall was yeah. a rookie like a, a rookie lottery ticket range is what I mean by yeah, that. Because yeah. once you get to the fourth through the sixth round, you're still in territory where you could develop somebody, but but that's still years off. That's not suddenly Evan Hall is going to be a clear feature back sure. by the end of this season, and now it takes a back seat with him being on the IR. I still think the drafting of Hall was mostly like, okay, can this dude just be a third down guy for you? Yeah, like not even a first and second um, down guy for you. Um, let's shift gears to Anthony Richardson exiting Sunday. Um, Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I'm really, really looking forward to week two for Anthony Richardson. and um, Him and CJ Stroud are really close. Um, and I bring that up to think back to week two of Anthony Richardson's last season at Florida. Um, I know Eddie and I have talked about this before, but Richardson was, I mean, and Jimmy, I think you remember this. I mean, he was kind of the week one darling after last season in Florida beating Utah. And like, oh my gosh, is this a sleeper Heisman candidate? All of this. Week two for Florida was Kentucky last season. Week, week two for Florida was Will Levis. Anthony Richardson got Will Levis. And what Anthony Richardson's, what his mindset was entering week two, it was, oh my gosh, I have to play good. Like, this is my, this is the dude that people are talking about NFL-wise. And, you know, Richardson had just ran for three touchdowns against Utah and completed 70% of his passes. And it was like, all right, here we go. I mean, this is it, baby. Strike the Heisman pose when you score against Kentucky. Uh, Against Kentucky, a game that he will admit he put a ton of pressure on himself in that game, Based off the quarterback matchup, he was awful. He was 14 of 35 in that game. He threw multiple interceptions. He got very little on the ground, which is you know kind of rare as well. And I think he was a pretty emotional quarterback after that game, and you know kind of seeked out a mental coach and um, Brent Ledbetter, and and that was I think a pretty eye-opening experience for Richardson of like, damn, um, this is. This is what it's like when 
um, you face a quarterback that has that type of hype and you put that pressure on yourself. And um, I just think it was a new experience for him, which, again, is totally understandable. He's 20 years old and um, had nowhere near even the college experience that Levis had at that point. And I'm curious, 365 days later, now how does that go with Stroud? And I know it's not the exact same thing, but again, him and Stroud are close. C.J. Stroud was drafted two picks ahead of Anthony Richardson. Um, I'm just interested to see how he plays on Sunday because there's just a human element to it all. I mean, I I don't know if Patrick Mahomes' public comments, and I don't know how much he even faced Mitchell Trubisky, um, if at all, based off an AFC-NFC thing. But I think you have this with guys, Jimmy, when they get drafted somewhat whatever they get drafted after other guys in their position groups uh, I'm gonna list out everybody that was drafted ahead of me you know T.Y. Hilton can name every wide out taken ahead of them in the 2012 draft you, you know, can use Mahomes like he famously scored a touchdown against the Bears two years ago and he celebrated by counting that was it that okay went. thank you thank you for that yep yeah I mean people do that it's human these nature these are competitive athletes we all do it you know if you're passed up for something you're gonna remember that so I- I'm curious what we see out of Richardson on Sunday, and obviously you'll see Stroud in the season finale. You're going to see Bryce Young coming up in a couple of months. Who knows how Tennessee season will go? Maybe you will see Levis at some point. But I guess that's a little bit more of just like the emotional aspect to Anthony Richardson. Um, you know, style-wise, what do we see differently? If you look at week one, it was a lot of underneath. It was a lot of right side of the field, which is kind of an interesting element, I guess, you know, maybe trying to I don't know, shy away from like throwing across your body a whole lot, but it's just weird to see the passing chart and be like, damn, it is like heavy on that right side of the field there. Um, I'd like to see some dialed up deep shots, even if it's in coverage, even if Houston's pretty committed to not allowing that. I think you need to kind of show defenses that you're still willing to try this. And again, Alec Pierce, his strength is trying to make a play in the air. We saw last week when you try to involve him in other ways, there's not going to be a whole lot there for you. Um, Certainly, I think you want to see Richardson on the road, not to act like Houston is a hostile environment at all, because it's not, but it is something that's different. And then I'd say lastly, Jimmy, you know, how does he react if and when the Colts play with a lead? And I fully expect the Colts to have a lead on Sunday. Um, how does that go? Because was it water finding its level on Sunday in the second half performance? Was it game pressure showing up with you know how the offense and Richardson himself performed? After you know they uh, they tied the game at at 17, so I know Shane Steichen very very encouraged by what he did, and Richardson said, um, you know he's he, he felt it a little bit Monday morning. He felt playing in an NFL game from the little bit of ankle soreness, again the knee bruise that he suffered early in that game. Um, you know how those hits start to add up. Watching him in the open field and the business decisions that he might start to make, uh, those will all be things that I'm going to keep an eye on. Early legacy game, is that what you're saying? So make sure. Is that, is that what we're saying? That early, early watch legacy game, Stroud Richardson? Is that what we're talking that about? That is juicy, but <laughs> you know this full well. These two are going to be compared. They will. They, they will be compared a whole, whole lot. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, I guess Peyton never really had that within his own division. Um, you know, Andrew Luck, you know, it's not like, I don't know, Blake Bortles for a couple of years. I'm trying to even think of. Some of the other quarterbacks. I mean, within the AFC South, RG three and Leaf. I hate to bring up both, and for them to both get strays, but neither of them with with RG three separate conferences. So the matchups are going to be few and far between, unless you're meeting the Super Bowl. And then with Leaf, I mean, it he didn't it wasn't around long enough for it to ever be a 
right. narrative. And, and again, in your own division, I just think it is different. Super rare. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how things unfold for Richardson. couple other items of note, Jimmy, I wanted to mention before we get into Houston. I thought Quiddy Pay and Bernard Ryman deserve a hat tip for how they played on Sunday, and I bring that up because these those two guys are part of the storyline we talked about before the season started. When Eddie and I did the, you know, six storylines to this season, specifically we mentioned Ryman at left tackle, Pay at defensive end. How do they perform? I liked what I saw in Week One. Obviously, that'll be something to continue to monitor. The rest of the season, um, Drew Ogletree did not practice on Wednesday. Still waiting the official injury report. Um, if we get that, we'll, we'll we'll let you know here on the pod. But he didn't. He was not out there when I was out there at practice. Does that mean Will Mallory, uh, the fifth round pick, was a healthy scratch? Un- understandably, but um, eager to see him because I thought in the snippets that he did practice and or play in the preseason. I know the staff really liked what they saw, and I kind of liked what I saw as well. You know, Shaq Leonard played sixty to seventy snaps, Jimmy. That was a number that they basically said he came off the field for some third downs. They they got the consecutive snap number, and they said, all right, you got to come off the field, even if it was like a third down. So I don't know if that was seven or eight straight plays, and then he exits, or you know whatever, 10 or 11, and then he exits. But obviously him and Zaire Franklin both, especially Zaire, had some great moments. And then lastly for me, Juju Brents. He was a healthy scratch in the game. That was a coach's decision. I am not surprised by that. If I were making a cornerback depth chart right now, it would go Kenny Moore, Dallas Flowers, DJ Baker, Jalen Jones, the rookie out of A&M, and then probably Tony Brown as the backup nickel slash special teamer, and Juju would be like fifth or sixth on that list. So it's just hard to dress those guys. Um We'll see how that changes as the season unfolds, but I was not surprised. I know a lot of people uh, have brought that up, so I was not surprised to see that. Anything news item-wise, Jimmy Cook, on your mind before we get to a little bit of Texans talk? No really news. The only commentary I would add, and this kind of puts a cherry on top of what you mentioned about Franklin and Leonard, the Jaguars are a good team. Like, like There's been a misconception at times when we've known the South to be such dog water for the last three or four years that – we don't want to believe the fact that maybe the Jaguars are the real clear-cut front-runner for this division. Uh-huh. I felt like the Colts defensively made them work for almost everything in that game. And I would if you agree. don't believe me, look no further than go to NFL's Twitter account or X account or however you want to say it nowadays. I still say Twitter. Go there, look at a tweet they posted earlier this week, and it is a highlight package of Trevor Lawrence picking up where he left off last year, which is to say completing throws with a low percentage of success rate of them being converted. You look at it, it comes deep shots, a couple of sideline shots where it's just a little bit of extra separation by the receiver or pinpoint accuracy thrown by Trevor Lawrence. The Colts defense needs to get away from this narrative of second half slumps because they kind of fell apart. Fourth quarter slumps more importantly, but I felt like they made Jacksonville work for everything. And even though it's not a season about winning, if that's the type of mentality and play they have where they make opposing teams work for everything, they could hang with the Titans. They could sweep the Texans this year. There's no reason that couldn't happen. Yeah, and honestly, Jimmy, that was probably part of the reason why I've been a little bit higher on the win total than most. I went with seven when I was all said and done for my win total. I mean, I looked at Sunday and thought that's one of the harder games all year, and I thought, I mean, clearly the Colts were pretty darn competitive and had a lead there with eight minutes to go, and I think that's what's so frustrating about the Agnew punt return. It's that 
if you make a play right there at the 10-yard line or 6-yard line, wherever he fielded it, I mean, I saw very little from Jacksonville's offensive line that told me it was going to hold up for a 90-yard drive at that point of the game, especially one word they probably would have had to throw more. The fact that they got to the 50, and all of a sudden they could have some of that balance. And even then, they still had a fourth down that they had to convert when Zay Jones made that play on Zaire Franklin. All right, let's move into the text. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Um, I think Houston stinks, Jimmy. And I think this is one of those weeks where coaches get up at the press conference podium and they say something to the effect of, man, every opponent in this league is tough. It's a road divisional game. And whenever like a coach utters that phrase, behind the scenes they're like, lay the points. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> they're like, we should not lose this game. Which and, is just a point, by the way. Is it one, one and a half? It's one right now. Okay, one. The one Colts is time of taping, yep. Yeah, 100%. I, I will be taking the Colts in that one. Um, this season is not about wins and losses, but you know what? This one feels a little different in my mind. Jimmy, of your last eight AFC South games, eight AFC South games, you have won Oon. Is that good? <laughs> that is, um, that's a, that's a little bit, well, I, I, I said enough about a certain player over on, on Sunday and his performance. That's utterly pathetic. We're talking the AFC South. Can you imagine if the Colts have been in the AFC West or the AFC North or the AFC East in the last year and a half of futility that they've had the Broncos one are welcome of their last oh, I guess they, they did beat Denver <laughs> didn't they uh one of their last eight like you, you, I mean you just can't have that um their last win on the road in the division is actually in Houston and the Jaguars aren't that yet right you brought up the AFC West the Chiefs are there the Chargers are there yeah it's not like it's there's the these juggernauts the in division yeah, and obviously I mean you know Jacksonville got the only win in the span is over Jacksonville yeah. for the Colts I mean they got hot the final two months of last season there you know, you look at Houston week one. They lose to Baltimore 25, was it 25 to 9? It was some weird score. Houston had one snap inside of the Baltimore 15 yard line all game long. Three field goals, obviously no touchdown. Um, it was a first time play caller. CJ Stroud sacked five times. Their offensive line is decimated right now. They were getting 10 and a half, and a lot of the pundits nationally were Texans sneaky oh, pick geez. I think they could uh. hang around and it was ugly that they hung around for like a quarter but then it became clear that no these are the same Texans with a rookie quarterback that's going to struggle too and the Colts will see an old friend in Chris Strasser as the offensive line coach someone that as the year went on I thought to myself how does this man still have a job last season he is now the O-line coach with Houston, obviously, D'Amico Ryans and Shane Steichen. That's a rematch of last year's NFC title game from a play-calling standpoint. Steichen, of course, with the Eagles and D'Amico with San Francisco then. Um, I do think their edge group 
is a group of note and Jonathan Greenard and, and, and Will Anderson. Anderson made some plays in week one. So I do think that is something to keep an eye on, particularly with the Colts a little banged up on their O-line as we record this. Didn't look like Nelson or Braden Smith were practicing on Wednesday. I still can't believe that Jerry Hughes is playing football, but he is and will rotate in for the Texans. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the Colts, I mean, that D-line, again, they should be feasting on Houston's offensive line. Damian Pierce, I do like him as a running back. Colts didn't see him in the season finale, but – um, again, I think you should control the line of scrimmage with your D-line there. and It's a six-round pick and Jarrett Patterson, Notre Dame guy, at center. And I think Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner should be quite happy about that matchup. So let's end the show with our picks, Eddie. Nothing right here. Fine. On our picks. It's a fine. But it's a fine. That, that, that is a fine? Do you know what you did wrong? What, what, oh, I called you Eddie. It's all right. It's okay. I'll forgive you. I'm sorry, Jimmy Cook. It's okay. That's on me. You did it once during text, just so the listening audience knows that, too. Oh, you explained that Jimmy was going to be out and that you needed me to step in. Now you're just ripping me, <laughs> which I feel like is on. I feel like I deserve it, honestly. I get a little um, cushion for saving the wedding ring. I think. <laughs> yes, more than that. Um, okay. Uh, anything else to add, Texans wise, or should we hop into Twitter questions? Don't let Will Anderson Jr., I know they play two different positions, and I know he's only a rookie. Don't let Will Anderson Jr. have the type of game that Jaguars Josh Allen had last week, which is a three-sack game dominating the offensive line. Again, I know they play two different positions, and it is it is different philosophically for what you're going to ask both those players to do. But Will Anderson Jr. is picked by many to be defensive rookie of the year. Don't get queued up in the trenches. That's yeah, all I'll say. And I'll add this. you know, Josh Allen had that backside sack of Richardson, which Richardson held on to the ball. Had that been Matt Ryan, the ball would have been <laughs> bouncing on the turf immediately. Like that play, Jimmy, though, that's obviously a near miss. I mean, that that, that could have been disastrous early in that game. If Anderson and Greenard get those shots, you know, it's obviously you know, beyond important that you still are punting the ball away in that situation. So... Uh, let's hop into Twitter questions, okay? I'll start off with Craig. Craig, what do we got? He writes in, do you think Josh Downs will be used more in Houston? He was impressive with his speed and shiftiness in the first half, but they didn't utilize him at all in the second half. No idea if that was by design or if the Jags, the Jags defense adjusted. Thanks. I think in general, Jimmy, one of the things the Colts did a really poor job of in the second half is their early down in distances or their early efficiency, first and second down, was just awful. If you look at their third downs in the second half, and we're talking routinely 8, 9, 10, 11 yards, Josh Downs had seven targets in 57 snaps. Uh, Alec Pierce had three in 66 snaps, for what it's worth. Um, you know, He had three catches. I, I, I do think you would like Josh Downs right around a handful every single game. Um, I'm not too worried about – I think seven targets is a pretty good number, um, but and, and I think he'll continue to be involved, so um, – the thing that kind of surprised me a little bit was just one snap for Isaiah McKenzie. I think for an offense that's looking for guys to do some things with the ball in their hands, McKenzie's that. We saw in training camp. I mean, they used McKenzie in some unique roles, so I'm kind of waiting for that to happen. Let's shift to flipping. Is Pierce just is what he is at this point? How much more development should we expect from the second-year wideout? Yeah, we got a couple questions on this. Um I think right now, what is he, 17 games into his NFL career? Jimmy, it's hard to make an argument that he's more than a one-trick pony. Now, the thing about his trick, it's pretty damn effective. 
I should say it's pretty damn potent when he hits on it. I think your Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken, had some issues with Pierce back in that matchup last season where, boom, you're able to get him involved and he either makes a big play or he draws a big pass interference. But you want to see him you know, create separation on a third and four and make a play like that. You know, post up and win in those situations and use that frame. I mean, he, he's a legit 6'2", 200-plus pounds. Um, you know, try and utilize that in other areas of the field because right now it's just a, boy, you got to play it outside of the numbers, and and that is his strength. And I do think you, you have to dial some of that stuff up. But, you know, for him to be that true complement, uh, for him to be – you know, it's, it's foolish to even picture him as a number one right now. He has to get more of just more of like the Reggie Wayne stuff from a route running standpoint, from a reliability standpoint, and not just the, you know, here's a back shoulder, here's a jump ball 20, 25 yards down the field. Because um, I don't think the Colts have the wide receivers that in a one on one press man situation on a third and four win enough. I mean, you brought up you know how competitive Jacksonville is some of those situations and they and those guys making those plays. That's a question that I have. I just I don't see enough separation from Pierce and even Pittman. Um, but right now it, it's been too much of a one trick pony for me. Sixty six snaps and three targets. I I know Jim Bob Cooter would push back and say you know sometimes you just don't get guys involved. I feel like we've seen too much of that in Pierce's career. Um, again, it's still young. He's still got time to prove himself, but that was a question that I had at training camp, and um, I continue to have. If only there was a way outside of the draft to go get wide receivers. If only, if only there was a path that one could utilize. <laughs> I see what you did there. Let's go to Jimmy our, Cook. Let's go to our next Twitter question. Old Daner, do you think with the recent news that JT, quote, can pass his physical at any time that the four-game pup helps or hurt his trade value? One could say he didn't add any tread on the tires this year, while the others could say we are now trading for four less games of production. Thanks, Kevin. Let's flip this on you. Give me your give me give me your thoughts. To this Daner asks great questions. Um, this is one that I don't know if I've got a great great immediate answer on. What do you think? Helps or hurts the situation? Okay. Well, the coy answer is. It doesn't matter because what the Colts have been asking for hurts the trade situation as it is if you're asking for number one wideouts. But again, we could take an entire podcast and go into the reasons of why it's lunacy to even be asking for that. In terms of the pup, I mean, it would scare me if I'm an opposing GM because I need more clarity both from the Colts and my own independent doctor of why he was on the pup in the first place. Was it the back? Was it the ankle? Was it gamesmanship and manipulation? manipulation of the pup list that happened is that what it was or is he legitimately hurt the idea though that they're willing to say publicly that he could pass a physical at any point in time would put that at bay so I'm going to say when you combine both that it's a net neutral his trade value is the same as it was prior to him landing on the pup before I give my thoughts the Colts have released their official injury report for Wednesday as expected Um, you had three DNPs that would be Drew Ogletree in concussion protocol um, Braden Smith, knee and ankle is what it's listed at. Braden Smith is at practice, by the way, for what it's worth. Sometimes you don't see injured guys out there. Jonathan Taylor. Um, Quentin Nelson did not spot him when I was there. Uh, toe injury for him. that He exited for a few plays on Sunday with that. A uh, little limp for, for, for Quentin, but I, you know, I assume that he'll play through that. So the backup at right tackle will be Blake Freeland. That's your fourth-round pick out of BYU. 
Josh Sills is who we saw go in for Nelson. First ever offensive snaps for him at left guard. And as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Will Mallory time if Drew Ogletree cannot go. You know, it's a great question. Again, it's one that I'm torn on. I can hear both sides. I I tend to think getting less of him in this 2023 season hurts the trade value. That's kind. If I had to pick one side or the other, that's probably where I'd go with. And then the fact that he, you know, is you know, unable to maybe prove like great, great health. You know, go back to Christian McCaffrey last year, Jimmy. He had missed. I think it was. Gosh, I want to say it was like twenty some games he had missed in the two previous seasons, and then he played all eight games last year before he got traded, and so he was able to prove his health. I know the injury situation maybe is not the exact same, but he was able to do that. I'm more curious than this about. When does panic occur? And who panics? What NFL team panics? San Francisco, when you say the word panic, it's such a negative connotation that there's no way to like, I don't mean this necessarily negatively because I think Christian McCaffrey is a great talent and given their quarterback situation, I think they need all the skill talent in the world. But at 3-3 three and three last year, they made quite the trade. I mean, that was quite the trade to get McCaffrey there. Uh, you can make the argument, certainly, that it, it, it's worked out based off what they did last year and you know <laughs> the week one overreaction to what they did <laughs> to Pittsburgh in week one. So um, which team falls into that boat? It's probably going to take early October, probably right when Taylor comes off the pup list. I, I still, Jimmy, and sit here on September 13th and think, okay, three weeks from today, three weeks from today, that is the first eligible practice Jonathan Taylor will have coming off pup. Is he really going to be out there? I don't know, but you know what might get him out there? Because they haven't done this yet, and I just thought about it just now. I think you're going to appreciate this. You think the Colts play jump around? That would probably do it too. Go into the make Wisconsin, him feel like he's back at Wisconsin. You think October first, one o'clock, Colts Rams? They take a page out of the Chiefs playbook. And Jonathan Taylor is up in a suite in Lucas Oil. I, I thought think that's the play. You know the the, the mafia men that were around Chris Jones. <laughs> um, I thought to myself, maybe. Uh, but yeah, no sign of Taylor. Hey, I have the data to show it. Chris Jones goes in the suite. Yeah. Chris Jones signs and reports. Okay, it's it's foolproof. Hundred percent success rate. Yeah, I I wish it was that easy <laughs> for for the Colts right now. Before we move to the next sort of question, I guess we should mention Anthony Richardson not on the injury report at all. You know, sometimes you do big. have guys that participate fully and are on the injury report. Uh, Anthony Richardson not on it, uh, even though he had a knee and an ankle injury in that first game. Randall writes in. The way I see it, the Colts have three a three pronged problem. One being running back, the second offensive line. And the third being general lack of playmaking by pass catchers. Which one of the problems is the worst when considering AR's development? Which one gets addressed in season? There's like four questions here. Do you want me to go bang, 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 or do you want me to read them all at once? Uh, let's just read them all at once. All right, so, we can so dissect from there. All right, so which one of the problems is the worst when considering AR's development? Which one gets addressed in season? Which one gets ignored? Is lack of support for AR the most puzzling and egregious blind spot in Boward's tenure? Love you guys. Um, some good questions in there by by Randall. Let's start with the last one. You know, is the lack of support for AR the most puzzling and egregious blind spot in Ballard's tenure? Obviously, the lack of support for AR just talks in a 2023 mindset, Jimmy. But I would say in general, in the seven-year era, 
when you have been the general manager for seven years and the best wide receiver and the best tight end in that seven-year span, without question, are guys that were acquired by the predecessor of you, that's not good. And that's what T.Y. Hilton and Jack Doyle would fall into that category. So I would say that is egregious, not just, again, talking about Richardson, because I think you can make the argument in previous years with different quarterbacks, you haven't supported those guys enough um, with that. You know, what are they going to do in season? What are they going to do? You know, the the O-line wideout debate is a fascinating one. Um, I I would say that the wideout position needs a little bit more investment because I still think that you can get by with interior offensive linemen that are later round picks. To me, that is a position area that it's easier to find a hidden gem than it is to find a seventh-round wideout that turns into a gem. So that's kind of my approach with that. Um, I don't want to. I, I don't think I've ever said you just ignore offensive line by any means. I think tackle, especially, should be rich in investment. But I think interior-wise, you can get by a little bit more than if you kind of skimp at wideout. I just think it's hard. Especially, I think it's hard because with the more pass-happy aspects. To football, I think we're going to see the corner position continue to rise, and you're going to see a lot of wideouts make the transition to corner, and I just think you're going to have some pretty natural athletes play that side of the ball, and I think it's going to get a little bit better. Um, but I'll go back to something that, that that I snuck in there earlier, Jimmy. I mean, Ryman and Pay, what, what they did in week one, that is so monumental. If we get to January 13th, and you feel good about those two guys. So there's some good questions there by uh, by old Randall. Here's Conroy. With Richardson as our QB, would it benefit the offense more to upgrade the receiving core or the offensive line? You can't have both, apparently, so what do we need to be upgrading first? And what do you think Bauer is likely to upgrade first? He has dipped his hand into receivers, not veteran, and loves his guys up front. Um, you know, I, I guess a couple questions. You know, like, what is the future at center after Ryan Kelly? I mean, Kelly's 30. Um, he's under contract for one more year. You know, that's always a thing. I mean, think about the revolving center door that Andrew Luck played with. Um, you know, what is that pairing for him? Uh, and then the future kind of at, at outside wideout. Obviously, Pittman and Pierce would be guys that you hope fit into that, but is that a slam dunk? You know, because those guys, you know, Pittman's case is entering a ma- is in a massive season, and in Pierce's case, you know, he's going to be halfway through his rookie contract here at the end of the year. So I'd say both of that. Finish out the Twitter questions with iHelix. When Ballard, I guess, just let me add one quick thing, Jimmy. Sorry, go ahead. Again, I, I, no, that's on me. I still think it is wide out. Like, if you made me pick, um, you know, tackle wise, Ryman and Braden Smith, you would like to think that is kind of the pairing moving forward there. And, and I think it's hard to find tackles. So, wide out, I think there's more uncertainty there. I am fearful, though, based on what Ballard has done to this point, and maybe he's going to be forced to change his ways it's much more likely he addresses or spends on the O-line than a wide receiver. Yeah. And I think is, that's the wrong play for the rookie quarterback, second-year quarterback next year, but I think that's what he's going to do. And that's why it's so critical if Ryman is the answer that all of a sudden you can get to April's draft and say, guys, we don't need to go tackle early. We have Ryman, we have Braden Smith, Blake Freeland, we feel like, like – you know that, that would be huge for your franchise to then be in more of kind of that best player available approach at other premium positions when you get to the draft. Are you here to tell me that – Kevin's corner is not actively stirring the conspiracy theory pot 
that Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be here regardless of what happens, as long as Jim Irsay is the owner of the team. I wish our listeners could see your stirring of the pot. It's, yeah, I'm glad we're not on YouTube. Looks like you should be churning butter at Connor Perry <laughs> right now. Um, but, yes, what is it? Uh, I, what, what is the hashtag for Marvin? I don't have it yet, and I don't want to that, – that has to be done well. I don't H- want to – Hinder for Harrison? Uh, that sounds awful. See, that's why I didn't do it. Yeah. We I need know. to get to the – let the company – Starving for Marvin is what uh, Greg Rakestraw told me. Uh, <laughs> Is that good? It is. It's. 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 Is that Rakestraw? It's for thievery you? from South Park to some extent, but it is. <laughs> it is. It is well done there. We got any more? Rakestraw. Yeah, got last one from iHelix. KB, when Ballard was asked why Taylor didn't get an extension, he said because we won four games last year. Now the Colts make Luke Rhodes the highest-paid long snapper in NFL history by signing him to an extension. What does this double speak do to a team's morale? Why do so many Colts players and assistant coaches want out? Many assistant coaches, if my memory serves me correctly, took similar or lesser roles to leave. I, I don't, I don't know about that last part. I don't. I mean, Jason Michael left to go to Stanford. He's from the West Coast. I mean, if you're an assistant coach and they fire the head coach mid-season, wouldn't you start to look for your next job and take one? I, I, I don't, I don't believe that that last one, or I, I don't think there's a lot of validity to that one. Bubba Ventrone probably got you know a bit of an upgrade. Uh, in in Cleveland, um, you know the whole Luke Rhodes thing. To me, Jimmy, it, it's more of a just. It's a reminder of the organizational philosophy of, you know, premium positions don't get treatment that's different than the other positions. And I'll echo what I said on Monday. I've got no issue with paying Luke Rhodes the type of money that they paid him. I've got little issue paying Matt Gay the type of money that you paid Matt Gay. The issue I would have is if for some reason you're looking at Jonathan Taylor's situation and you're saying, we'll offer him $12.5 million a year, but we can't offer him $14 million a year because look at our cap situation. If that is really a conversation you're having, then you can't be paying the kicker the type of money that you're paying. You can't be paying the long snapper the type of money that you're paying. Yeah, Shaquille Leonard needs a restructure. I mean, fine money if that is the issue. I tend to think it's more of just like, this is our market value approach to running back. Um, and I, I know I've said three for 39 numerous times in this podcast. That's what I'd be do- thinking and doing with Taylor. I don't know if the Colts would would do that. And, you know, again, I probably disagree with that. But that is a question that I would have. And obviously those are answers that we're probably never really going to to know. Two things there. They're going to look like fools if he gets traded somewhere. And it's three years, $13 million. Because yes. my complaint with all this has been the never confirmed ru- rumor mill churned out $16 million a year is what he wants. Yeah. And that's never been verified. So let's say it's less than that. If it's $13 million a year, they're going to look like clowns for not it, offering him as a 24-year-old three years on that price point. And I don't know if we believe the validity of this, Jimmy, but I believe Josina Anderson had some report that like uh, Miami and Green Bay were willing to offer whatever contract appeased the Taylor camp. Again, believe what you want sure. in this situation, but also, I'll throw that out there. Last part to iHelix. In regards to what it does for team morale, it benefited team morale greatly, that Luke Rhodes contract, KB. And here's why. Anthony Richardson no longer has the weight of the world on his shoulders because prior to that extension, the messaging was he had to win more than four games to get his guy paid. <laughs> Woo, we're good now. One less thing for the rookie to worry uh, about. Man. Yes, Luke Rhodes is taking Anthony Richardson out to dinner here. 
uh, to say thank you for that. Um, all right, let's uh, let, let's make some picks. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Here, okay, uh, you said the spread was one. It is you one. You want to go first or second? Are the Chiefs covering three and a half? That just screams take Jags in the money, right? Scoop, take, scoop, take scoop, Jags scoop, the scoop the points only because the Chiefs, I love them to death, have been one of the worst teams in covering spreads in the last, like, two seasons. That's just not really? something that they often do. I don't have the number in front of me, but I remember in my Chiefs knowledge that that's always a talking point is that, ah, oh, they're, they're like 6-14 in 14 their last 20 against the spread. So I wouldn't scoop the 3.5, but minus 180 money line is, is tempting me. But that's is my Chiefs fan bias. I would like to go second because I just want to go second. You gave me the choice. Colts 27, Texans 17. I think Houston's offensive line is decimated. I think as long as you tackle in space, it'll be dink and duck central. You know, the thing about C.J. Stroud at Ohio State, Jimmy, we obviously watched a ton of him. He made it look so darn easy because it was so easy around him. Like, they they were in 95% of C.J. Stroud's snaps on the football field. He was the superior. They had superior talent. Everywhere, like in like infinitely superior talent. So disrupt things, force him into chaos, all of those things. Baltimore sacked him five times. I know Baltimore is a much more exotic looking defense than Indianapolis, but confuse him. If you confuse him enough with a banged up O line, you're going to control that. I don't see them moving it again. One snap inside Baltimore's 15 yard line all game in Week One. Um, I'll go 27 17. Colts 28. Texans 13. Ooh, even more than I had. The defense carries the day for four quarters. Anthony Richardson wins his first legacy game, outperforming C.J. Stroud legacy. to the point that Houston Radio on Monday are trying to evaluate whether Why didn't we take him exactly. to? That's exactly what it's going to be on Monday. Oh, and by the way, at some point in time, I guess I made it 28-13, so I can't do it there. Never mind. Um, they make Houston settle for field goals. Anthony Richardson on one of these scores, scoring drives, they score four touchdowns. He's going to look the part where we're like, you know what? I get it. It's an inferior team, but you need to still take care of business against inferior teams, and that's a good step for the rookie. 28-13, Colts. And I'm going to put, again, I'm putting the win-loss thing to the side for, for this one. I mean, one out of your last eight divisional games? AFC South, folks. I mean, that's the true TV of divisions. <laughs> true TV, remember? True TV taking strays. Our March Madness. The, J- the Jaguars are impractical jokers, and uh, the rest the, of the lineup doesn't matter. They're tr- the Jags are trying to get to TBS, but right now it's a true TV division here in the AFC South. But they're trying to take strides to get off that channel. Jimmy Cook, unbelievable as always. Noon to three, you can hear Jimmy a whole lot. Ron Colley football. What else am I missing? 
some WHMB TV 40 stuff every now and again with soccer. But, uh, yeah, RonCollyMediaNetwork.com Friday nights. Uh, yeah, we'll be rolling through with that. Royals and Garrett and Catholic this weekend. Ooh, it's a big one it in is. the Circle a little, City. A little parochial rivalry, Circle City Conference matchup. And then, of course, you can follow him on Twitter, at the J Cook noon to 3, Query and Company. KB, thank you for having me. I hope I don't have to be back in this chair because I love the work you and Eddie do together. But should you ever need me again, I hope the performance on the pod is enough for the listeners to want me back, but also that rapport we built up with the rescue of the wedding ring that yeah. I today. I hope that epic. gives me something for consideration. Epic, epic, epic. I will never forget that. <laughs> Tremendous from Jimmy. Everybody have a great week, great weekend. Go Irish, beat Chippewas or whatever Central Michigan's nickname is. Is it Broncos or is that Western Michigan? I think it's the Chippewas, right? Does that sound that right? That sounds right. Okay. Let's get ready for Ohio State. Um, we'll talk to you on Monday. See you. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.